So, all right. So we're gonna we'll continue our visit afterwards. So we got some uh, hot dogs to eat afterwards, right? So um, we have been uh, dealing with this theme for the weekend: lies we believe. If you're just visiting with us this morning, and um, um, unfortunately, the lies aren't just out there. It's easy to for you and I to begin to believe the lies of our culture. And the, one of the things we looked at yesterday morning was. Um, I need to live my truth, and um, and and of course, uh, as we as we start to understand what's happening in our culture, um, just kind of sum it up. It is whatever I feel is the authority, right? Whatever I you know. So to be for me to be my true, authentic self, this is obviously teaching from the world. Just in case you're wondering. Um, uh, not to the church, okay? So, uh, but I, in order for me to be authentic, I need to be true to myself. And so whatever I feel, whatever I think is the authority. So, i.e., if I think I'm a, a woman trapped in a man's body, then society now needs to help me do that, right? The, so it's not just, not just that my authority is myself. It's now that everyone in society is to support me. And we talked about furries, and if you're not sure what those are, you can talk to someone later about that as well. But, but that's, not, that's not the truth. And as people of God, we need to be on guard against that thinking of, I want my truth. Um, and uh, a reason that we need to be on guard against that is because our hearts are deceitful above all else. And, and uh, you and I, uh, if we are just left to our truth and not the truth, the word of God, uh, we will inevitably go astray. And we will t- twist the truth, as we talked about a little bit last week, and or sorry, yesterday morning. It was a long, it's a last, long last 24 hours. Uh, it felt like last week. No, I'm kidding. Um, and then, and then, of course, the tragic end of living by my truth is that uh, we still will have to give an account to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and uh, we would spend eternity apart from him. Uh, last night, Pastor Michael talked about uh, this lie that I, I can't be vulnerable, right? And, and um, if people really see me for who I am, they're not going to like me. Uh, they're not going to be okay with it. And, and, and so uh, we just kind of keep to ourselves and we throw on our masks. But as he, as he went through it last night, he, he reminded us that, that vulnerability is required in the body of Christ. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that this morning. There is the understanding that vulnerability is risky, right? If I put myself out there, I could wind up getting hurt. And, and, and surely, uh, if, you're, if you're of any age, you have experienced that. Uh, somebody has broken your trust. Somebody has, ha, ha, we went to for help has not been as helpful as you had hoped. And, and maybe you were hurt in that. But God still calls us to be vulnerable. And, he, and, and vulnerability is also redemptive. And, and that's uh, this idea of being open with one another is how God makes us more and more like his son as we follow his example of being vulnerable. Uh, example Pastor Michael gave last night, dying naked upon a cross. Him coming, taking on flesh, living amongst us, living the perfect life. Uh, Christ is the example and uh, vulnerability is required of you and I. This last slide we want to look at this morning is I can do it on my own. Right and 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 um, of course we've all heard every three-year-old say I do it. Right, we have brought that up many times on a Sunday morning. But um, I think if we're if we're being honest again about how our culture can infiltrate the church, this idea of I can do it by on my own is is a is a is something that. <laughs> Maybe it's going away, but at one time that was something that really has infiltrated the church in the sense like I work really hard. And I get what I deserve, right? If I if I put the time in, if I put the work in, I will receive for my labors, and 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 so I can do it on my own. If I work hard, I get the right education. If I work hard, I get the right job. Then I can do it on my own. I'm not seeking to be on government assistance for the rest of my life, right? That idea, and I think a lot of us honor hard work. Is hard work a bad thing? Anybody think it's a bad thing? Okay, no, hard work is a really good thing. But, but if we have this illusion to think that I can do it on my own, then, then we're in big trouble. 
And as I think about this idea of, of I can do it on my own when it comes to the material things, when it comes to the physical things, I think we can bleed, that can bleed over into the spiritual things as well. And, and we have this mentality, many of us, so you, you've, at one point in your Christian walk or another, maybe even right now, you have this mentality, if I just work hard enough, if I just study enough, if I just pray enough, I will be able to walk in holiness. I'll be able to do what God asks me to do, right? And so you got your little chart with all your little check marks, right? You got to, you know, I spent this much time in prayer, check. I, you know, I spent this time in the Lord, check. I got all my check marks done, and, and now I'm growing, and, and, and then all of a sudden, what? More times than not, I'm on my face again. I've fallen into sin. I've done whatever. And then wondering what happened. Or, probably just as tragically, I'm doing really well. Like, I, you, you want to see my chart? Like, it's amazing, right? And, like, God must be really pleased with me. Like, I'm killing it, right? Like, you know, the little gold star chart you used to get? If you did, you know, like, I look at my gold stars, right? And, and, but that's, that's not how sanctification works. Sanctification, if we think about sanctification, it's not a personal sport. Is there, is there some self-effort included in our sanctification? For sure. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, let me just read this. And, and, and this is going to be a, one of those different kind of messages, more topical kind of message. So we're going to be like shotgunning all over the scriptures. So if you want to just write some of these things down. Um, I encourage you that. But Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like effort is required, right? I, it's not this like this Keswekian kind of like let go, let God, you know, just kind of like, well, just see what happens, like see what, see what God does. Like it, that's not that, right? But, but there is effort involved, but if we, if, we, if we think it's just about effort, all we need to think about are the Pharisees. I mean, they, they worked really hard, and they, they had a lot of gold stars on their charts, right? And, and thinking about what they thought were the right things. But what? What does Christ say about them over and over again? But your hearts are far from me, right? You do all these things, but your hearts are far from me. And, and, and if you, all you have to do is read the Gospels to see that Jesus was not a big fan of the Pharisees and, and, the, and what they were teaching. So what, is, what does sanctification involve? There is that personal effort, but if we're thinking about it like a pie chart, it's only like one-third of the pie chart, right? If you've got a piece of pie, and this is like a really simple illustration in regards to sanctification, right? But there is the personal, like I've got to wake up, I do need to pray, I do need to read the Word, right? I need to do those things, but there's two other elements, and that's what we want to talk about uh, for the rest of the morning. Before we do, let me pray for us one more time. God, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for this time together. And God, as we think about um, this process of sanctification, of us becoming more and more like Jesus each and every day, God, we're so thankful that it's not left up to us alone. And as we're going to uh, study your word this morning, be reminded of that, God, we would pray that you would help us to examine our own lives, examine our own hearts. Lord, are we feeling like we can do this on our own? Are we demonstrating that through our words, our actions, through our commitments? God, if that be the case, Lord, would you just bring repentance into our life today? Lord, would you help us to walk in your ways, to follow your plan? Lord, that we would increasingly look more and more like Jesus. Lord, that's our desire. As your children, Lord, we want to be great ambassadors for you, Lord, as we go into this lost and dying world. God, we want people to see Jesus, Lord, that they might be saved. Lord, that they might be redeemed out of this lost world. God, we pray that um, you would use this time, Lord, to make us more like you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so the truth about my sanctification is, first of all, that, that I am completely dependent on God. The truth about my sanctification is that I am completely dependent upon God. If, I, if it's about my efforts, it's about what I'm doing, it's not going well. I am completely dependent on God. Um, independence from God really is ultimately... Another one of those things that is at the heart of all sin, right? It is me saying, I know better than God. It is me saying, I will go my way instead of his way. It is, it is to be um, independent from him. And we think about this, uh, everyone who's lost right now, everyone who's uh, not, not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is independent, right? 
I, I don't want to bow my knee to him. I don't want to, to do what he would want me to do. I want to do what I want to do. And, and there's this rebellious spirit that you could see through all the scriptures, right? This is it, a new thing from Genesis 3 to like, yeah, I'd like to be like God, to right to the end in book of Revelation when they will literally see God and what? Will they bow down and be like, oh, let us worship him. We didn't know. We didn't know there was a God. If we would have known, we totally would have worshiped you. Now, that's not what happens. They shake their fist at him. They, they, they hope that the rocks will fall on them and die rather than bow their hearts to him and repent of their sin. I mean, that's, the, that's involved, ingrained in every one of our hearts apart from the grace of God. And there was a story told by Jared Wilson. He says, once I shared the good news of Jesus with a man dying of cancer, he had maybe a week or two left to live. I explained that Christ's grace would cover could cover a lifetime of rejecting him if only by faith the dying man would reach out for him in that moment. If he would repent of his sin and trust in Jesus, he would be giving eternal life. Nope, he said. He wasn't interested. He explained that he'd made it through his whole life thus far without believing in Jesus, so he saw no point in doing it now. There lay the self-made man, skeletal and wheezing in a hospital bed, shaking his brittle fist at the God who made him right up until his laugh, last breath. And, and that's, that's not a, a one-off. That's like, wow, I've never heard of something like that. We all know people like that in our lives. No matter how many times you, open, you, you, you share the gospel and share that if they would just repent and turn to him, that they might have life, they were like, nope, I'm good. I, I don't need a crutch. Right? Maybe you as a weak person, I get it, you're weak, you're kind of, you know, you kind of always were kind of weird. So, you know, it's not a big surprise to me that you would follow Jesus, but I'm not like that. I don't need that. I don't need the crutch in my life. And, 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 uh, and so sadly, many people die in their rebellion against God. But that should not be the case for you and I. And if I'm, I'm praying to everyone here this morning, it's like, yeah, I remember that day where I'm like, uh, I'm not independent anymore. I realize, like, if it's left up to me, I'm going to hell. If it's left up to me trying to pay for my sin, uh, I can't do that. But Jesus, but Jesus has died for me. He's taken the wrath of God upon the cross for my sins and instead given me his righteousness. So now I will live for him. And hopefully it began the day where you no longer trusted yourself, but trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Not just for that moment, not just saying a prayer, Right? Not just, you know, did you say the prayer? I mean, that's what we talk about salvation. Well, you said the prayer, you're saved. Okay. What was the content of that prayer? That would be always my question. And then what's the, what's the salvation look like since that day? Well, the salvation since that day should look a whole lot like we're going to be looking at this morning. And not, uh, John Bunyan says this, It is my duty, said he, to distrust my own ability, that I may have reliance on him that is stronger than all. Now, what's awesome about Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, is that it's followed right after by verse 13. Remember that, like, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? What's the next verse? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is him who is working through us. And so we need to be dependent, first of all, in focus. Dependent in focus. Once we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, life is no longer about me. Right? It's not about what I'm going to achieve in this world. It's not like my, my plans, you know, my will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. It's now thy will. It's God's will on, on this earth as it is in heaven. Jesus put it like this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever who would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what that looks like on a daily basis is waking up and saying, Lord, my life is yours. What can I do for you today? And whatever you find yourself doing, the, the goal should be service to the Lord God, to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords, to die to my own desires, to die to my own, my own will on a daily basis. Not just like, yeah, I did that one time. It was a cool experience, but, you know, kind of back to my own thing now. It's a daily taking up your cross and following him. This morning, 
could you say that describes your relationship with him? That that's your pattern of your life. You, you wake up and you say, Lord, here I am. Send me. As I go to my work, as I go to the school, as I hang out in my neighborhood, Lord, I want your will to be done. And so I'm continually submitting to you with my life. The Lord demands this of his servants. As you think about this analogy of the cross, it's wholehearted devotion. It's not like one foot in the world and, and one foot in the church. That's not how it works. It's I'm all in. And, and this idea that, that, that we, could, we could have Jesus as our Savior and not as our Lord is not in the Scripture. And so we want wholehearted devotion. And we're going to see in a little bit, I can't fabricate that on my own. I need you guys to help me with that. And we're going to look at that in a moment. But, but we need total dependence on him. Second thing, we need to be ten dependent in focus. Second thing under this, this first point, we need to be dependent in prayer. Dependent in prayer. Sometimes, especially if you're a little bit more of the tulip crowd, you're kind of like, you know, Calvinism. Um, I've seen somebody like, tulip? What are you talking about? Okay. Um, and, you know, heavy focus on the sovereignty, power of God. He's over it all. Some, sometimes it's like, well, why pray? Like if he's, if he's in charge, if he's got, in, which is, what, you know, if you're, if you're not of a Calvinism crowd, that's, that's the accusation all the time. Like, yeah, you guys don't even believe you should pray. Well, no, we should pray, right? Why? Well, because the scriptures tell us we should pray, number one. So any kind of theology would be like, well, now we don't have to obey that part of the word. You would just want to get rid of that, okay? But, but why do we pray? Well, number one, it reminds us of our dependence on him, does it not? As soon as I start to pray, I'm, I'm like, I got nothing. Lord, it's up to you. And, and, and so as we seek him, oftentimes we, we begin with something like our Father, right, who art in heaven. We, we you know, Lord, we, we think about who he is. Let's just think about that for a moment. Who is our God? He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is sovereign. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the creator. He is the savior. He is the alpha and omega, the first and the last. He is eternal. And on and on the list goes. And, and as we come to him in prayer, that should be saturated in our thinking. Like I am coming before him. And he is awesome. And so I come in low. I, I come in in humility, recognizing his greatness. And as I do that, I also remember that I'm able to approach his throne. Why? Because he's gracious, because he's merciful, because he's forgiving, because he's loving and faithful and compassionate, because I am now his child and he is my father. Like that's why I get to come to him in prayer. And as I come to him, I, I know that, that he is over all of my life. And so I'm able to, to pour out my praise and, and prayer to him. As we come to him in prayer, we're reminded that without him, we would have no hope. Without him, we, we, where would we be? And so we come and we pray. When should we pray? Colossians 4.2 says this, continue steadfastly in prayer. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. It's interesting if you just do a quick overview of prayer, how often thanksgiving is brought up in your prayer time. Like, I don't know, sometimes I'm not uh, too thankful. Uh, like, my circumstances aren't great. Like, like I, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm desperate. I'm like, God, you got to change this. You got to help me. And like, so how would I be thankful? Let's be going back to that list again. Who is he? He's incredible. He is over it all. And so he knows what I'm going through. Do you understand that? It's not like when you come to him, he's like, What? Thanks for telling me. Like this, I've never seen, I never knew. Like, I'm glad you told me, right? Like, that's never happening. I, I was just, you know, I was on vacation. And I came back and you called and like, that's not going on, right? He knows everything. And because I know he knows everything, I can, as I submit these things to him, I can do so with thanksgiving knowing what? That God is using all things for my good and for his glory. And so as I wrestle in prayer with him and, and seek his will, I can be thankful. At Philippians, or sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. When we think about praying without ceasing, it's obviously it's not in the posture of I'm on my knees 
but it's this idea that I'm continually walking in dependence with him as I go through my day. I'm driving to work. I'm praying. God, help me. You know, Bob in accounting is just, I don't know what to do with him anymore. Like, he's just, you know, I need your spirit to help me so that I would re- respond in a Christ-like way instead of in my flesh, right? As, I, as, I'm, as I'm going to the mall, that would be a good time to pray as well, you know? Like, as I'm circling around Cross Iron Mills for the 14th time trying to find a parking spot. God, I need, I need patience. I need your help, right? Like, every, in everything, like, do you understand? Like, there's never a time, like, I don't need to pray about this. Like, everything that we're doing, we need to be praying. So that's why he says pray without ceasing. And then you know, we, we, we come to him knowing that he cares for us. It says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so all the weights that we carry, all the burdens that we carry in this life, Jesus knows this life is hard. Jesus knows that this earth is under the curse, that, that there is pain and suffering and trials, and he's saying, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And trust me one day at a time. So let's be dependent on him in prayer. You, this is the only way that we can be sanctified. It's the only way that we can become more and more like Christ is through prayer. I'm excited about our new worship guy coming. Um, um, some of you have been away. Uh, we do have a new worship guy coming. Um, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that was really neat for me as, as, he's, as this, you know, elders are like, well, what would you expect of us? I, I want you guys to be men of prayer. Like, that's, that's, that's his hope. That's his heart that we'd be a church that's, that's a praying church. It's like, where did they get this idea from? Uh, maybe the scriptures, right? And, and, um, and, and so, but like, Lord, help us, right? Because if we're being honest, I can do it on my own is fleshed out on a daily basis when, our, when we are prayerless. And, and we don't want to be that way. We want to be faithful. We want to seek him in prayer. We want to be dependent in prayer. Thirdly, we want to be dependent in counsel. In other words, we, we, we need his wisdom. We need his direction in life. Uh, yesterday, um, Heather shared her testimony and uh, and, and just the, the the verse that popped to mind as we as we were, as she was just talking about some of the struggles with parenting at times and and there's that some those are times where you're just like I don't know what to do and I thought it was Second Chronicles twenty twelve uh, that that verse has kind of been like a theme verse for me this summer uh, at different situations I found myself in but at the end of that verse it says Lord we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you. And if we're being honest, that should be your prayer every day. Not just in the big things, not just in the huge crises, but like every day. Because if it's left to myself, to my flesh, I'm going to mess it up. But if I understand that I need him every day to give me wisdom, every day to fill me with his spirit, then, I, then that should be my prayer each and every day. God, what am I to do? Lord, my eyes are on you as we go through each situation. Not just, again, like I say, in the crises, not just, uh, 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 you know, when, when life is hard, but every day, Lord, help us. A verse that remi- reminds me uh, of our need here, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. He says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your un- own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. As you think about that, there's first there's faith, right? That you're trusting in him. Uh, life is faith, right? As a believer, when every time the, the word of God says to do something, you got to say, it's good, it's right. I will walk in this. That's a faith thing. Because your whole flesh is like, that seems hard. I don't want to do that. That seems like maybe that won't be so much fun. That, right? Like, I don't want to. But in faith, we say, no, his ways are good. And he is faithful. And so I will trust in him with all my heart. And then what? Come in humility. Lean not on your own understanding. How many times do we get in trouble because we're leaning on our own understanding? I, I really feel like this is a bad idea if I would walk in faithfulness right now. If I would walk in his ways right now. It's actually going to turn out bad for me. But he says, in all your ways acknowledge him. And then what? He will make your paths straight. Straight your paths. 
We submit to him on a daily basis, acknowledging him as God over our lives. The amazing thing as Christians here this morning is that God has given you the counselor, the counselor, capital C, right? The Holy Spirit. It says in John 14, 26, John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your, rem- your remembrance all that I have said to you. We desperately need to lean on the Spirit of God each and every day. We desperately need to lean upon him because it is through his power that we do these things. And so that's the last part here, dependent in power. We're dependent in power. Despite our often high view of ourselves, we do not have the power or the capabilities to grow in holiness, to do the things that God wants us to do. We need his strength. We need his power. If we're being honest, we can be a lot like Peter. I mean, like Peter's situation, he's like, I would never deny you, Jesus. And then a few months later, he denied Jesus. Is that what happened? Now, okay, that day he said he would not deny Jesus. Jesus is like, yeah, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. No, I would never do that. Never do that. And while he should be praying, he's what? He's sleeping. He thinks in his own strength he will be able to do what he committed to do. None of us can do that. Peter's a great illustration. We're thankful for Peter, right? Because a lot of us can relate to Peter a lot, okay? And, and, and so um, let us also be like Peter and be filled with the Spirit and have our lives look very different after the Spirit of God came upon him. So the Bible teaches what? That pride comes before the fall, so we need to lean upon the Lord. A great biblical word for that is called meekness. Meekness. What is Meekness. Meekness is human weakness owned, perhaps even boasted in, not as a means of self-pity, but as a means of self-denial. Meekness is weakness weaponized against the spirit of the age and against the spirit of the Antichrist because it is full-hearted embrace of the reality that Christ's strength, which is omnipotent, is made perfect in weakness. So the best place that you and I can be is to say this, I can't do anything. I in myself will mess this up. I am weak, but praise God, he is strong. Uh, First, Second Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. This is what Paul said. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is the Lord talking to, uh, to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We are the most powerful to live a sanctified life when we realize that we have no power in of ourselves that we are dependent upon the Lord for power. MacArthur says it like this, the weaker the human instrument, the more clearly God's grace shines forth. I mean, if you look at the scriptures, who does God pick more times than not? The nobodies, the weak, the people that nobody would pick. I mean, think about King David. Even his own family didn't have him there to be chosen (laughs) as a king. Right? Uh, Okay, someone in your family is going to be king. All right, let's get the sons together, except for David. Right? Where's he? Oh, he's out with the sheep. Okay? We We knew he wouldn't be the king. But that's not how God works. He chooses those who are weak. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So the more weak that we are, the less it is about us, the more the power of God is seen. MacArthur puts it like this, by using frail and expendable people, God makes it clear that salvation is a result of his power and not any power his messengers could generate. The great power of God overcomes and transcends the clay pot. The messenger's weakness is not fatal to what he does. It is essential. 
Like, how contrary to the world is that? But the weaker, the more frail the vessel, the more the power of God is seen. I, uh, I got to speak at a, a conference in San Antonio in February. And, and, the, and the other two speakers there were Paul Tripp and Dave Harvey. Dave Harvey had a, had a, a super painful family trial uh, this last fall. And, and still super hit hard by it as, we, as this conference came in in, um, in February. Paul Tripp has had like just unbelievable health issues. And I'll tell you, those messages by those men were super powerful. And what was so amazing about it is like it was this. Like these guys are weak, frail men. But man, the power of God through their instruction is, is like unlike I'd ever seen. I'd seen Paul Tripp speak before. I was like, well, it's okay. It was pretty good. But like this, it was like, it was like life-changing because it, it wasn't about him. It, it was about the glory of God. It was about Christ and, and him being on the throne. And, and, and can I just encourage us, that needs to be our pattern. Lord, I need to incre- decrease, you need to increase, right? Just as John the Baptist said. So when it comes to sanctification, can I do it? I can't do it. I am fully dependent upon God. I am dependent in focus, in prayer, in counsel, in power. Obviously, I could come up with a whole lot longer list than that, but I think we get the point. We're dependent upon Him. And then secondly, I am fully reliant on the body of Christ. So we're thinking about the pie. There's my responsibility to get up, to work hard. There is my full dependence upon God. And then thirdly, my dependence upon the body of Christ. I'm fully reliant upon the body of Christ. Fully reliant to love. If there is no body of Christ, guess what? Pretty hard to love if there's no one in your life, right? Love is like a two-way thing. Do you understand that? Okay? It's not just like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I, I haven't seen anybody. I've not been around anybody, but I, uh, I really have the gift of loving people, right? Well, how would you know that, Okay? If we're going to be faithful to God, and if we're going to be faithful to the two greatest commandments, then we need to be a part of the body of Christ. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We cannot demonstrate love or grow in our relationships with, another, uh, with one another without actually knowing one another. Like we have to know one another. You cannot be there for someone in the good times and in the hard times if you're not with them. You, you, you have to have a body of people that you're continually being around and investing in. This is God's plan for us. Uh, as Pastor Michael talked about, we cannot grow in intimacy with one another without sharing what's going on in our lives, without sharing our hopes and dreams, without sharing our, our struggles and our sins. We, we, how could we grow in intimacy without that? So I think about our, our, our married couples. You know, when, when, you, when you got married, you said you loved one another. But as some of you now are on, on a couple of decades at least, maybe longer in your marriage, I hope that the depth of that statement, I love you, is so much greater now than when you first got married. Because why? You've been through a lot of stuff together. Like you've, you've, you, you've weathered the storms together. You, you've, you've celebrated the peaks together. There, there's a depth there. And this is, what, this is what God desires for the body of Christ. That we would walk together, hand in hand, on, on, on a long road together. Not, not just sharing surfacey things. Like, yeah, not, not just like throwing on the mask for an hour on Sunday morning, like, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm so happy. And then like leaving and, 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 and not, not knowing one another. But, but, but truly knowing one another. This is what God desires for us, that, that our love would, would deepen. It says this in Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. But... Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against each another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. 
And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If you do life with anyone on any kind of close basis, you will need to forgive one another. The, the, the people that you have forgiven more than anyone else, who is it? It's your family members. It's the people you do life with every day. I, I hope anyways, right? If you're not forgiving one another, you probably have a real messed up relationship right now, right? And, and, and you're like, wow, oh, my spouse has never sinned against me. Uh, nobody's saying that, okay? Right? Because why? Because we're all sinners, Right? We're all sinners, and we, and we have to extend grace towards one another. If not, then the relationships are broken. But in the body of Christ, we forgive one another. As what? As Christ has forgiven us. And so we need to love as Christ has loved us. We need to, we need to display this. This is where the, 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 the gospel is on display. In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so if we are to be sanctified, if we are to, to become more and more Christ-like, we need to love one another as Christ has loved us. We need to live out a life of love which binds everything together in perfect harmony as it ended in Colossians there. While living life on your own might seem easier, it is certainly not better. If we are to grow in our love for one another, then we need to be, functioning, to be a functioning part of the body of Christ. This is best expressed in the regular gathering of believers in a lo local church setting. Right? That's why you're here. That's why they're gathering in Calgary uh, this morning. Well, they're probably wrapped up in home by now, okay? But, but they, that's why we do it. And, and this is why we must be committed. Like, I, I hope you see that in redemption. And, I, and, I, and it's not a redemption thing. It's a Bible thing. But, but if you're a part of the body, we're all in together. It, this isn't kind of like, well, I'll come and I'll view and I'll sit in my pew and I'll kind of, you know, I'll take it in and I'll let you, I'll send out a little criticism every now and then. But that's my job in the church, right? That's all I'm doing. No, we're in it together. And, and, and it's so much better when we live it out God's way. So fully reliant on the body of Christ to love, fully reliant on the body of Christ to grow, to grow. We desperately need one another if we are to grow in the faith. Have you met someone who's not going to church who calls himself a believer? Anybody met one of those people? Okay, there's a few of you. Okay, not too many. That's good. I think you're not paying attention. You're, uh, you're thinking about hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> we've all met people like that. What would you say? What's your, what's, your, what's your quick evaluation of someone who's in that situation? They're strong in the faith? They're doing really well? Like never, right? Never. It doesn't matter if they're listening to Sproul, Piper, and MacArthur every week. It doesn't matter, right? That's not enough. It's not enough. You will not grow if you're not in relationship with one another. That's the way God intended it. And you can have a head the size of, you know, Jupiter, of knowledge. It doesn't matter if you do not have something to play that out with when it comes to other people. And so you, we, we need one another. The writer of Hebrews put it like this in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Like we need to be with one another. I could listen to a thousand sermons, but if I'm left to my own heart to determine how I'm doing, guess what? Always rose-colored glasses, right? Like I, I've shared this I don't know how many times. But like before I got married, I thought I was a good person, right? I thought I was not that selfish. I got married, I realized, no, I'm a really selfish person. And then you throw kids into it. It's like, man, I'm really messed, right? And, 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 and that's why we need the body of Christ. If we're left to ourselves, wh what's the warning here? If we're, if we're not gathering together, if we don't have somebody exhorting us in our lives, then there's the danger of me having an evil, unbelieving heart leading me to fall away from the living God. 
Like this is, this gathering together with the body of Christ is not optional for my sanctification. I must do it. It says this in Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. First of all, it says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. How do I do that? How do I hold fast to my faith? It tells us in verse 24. And let us, not, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So how is it that I would cling to the confession of hope? How is it that I, I, I would do that? Through the Lord's help and through the gathering of his people. That I would, every time I'm about to get together with a believer, that I'm considering how to stir them up to love and good works. Not, not just the pastor. Not just the elders. Not just the leader of this ministry, or the leader of that ministry, but every believer considering how can I stir up my brothers and sisters to love and good works. And it says that we should do this all the more as you see the day, the day of judgment, approaching. Anybody see that happening? Like, do you think that the day is approaching? Like, any signs that somehow you would be able to have a one-world United against God thing. Any signs that that possibly could happen? So what's the prescription? What is God tell you to do in light of that? Gather together more and more in light of that day coming. Like, like one of the neat things for me watching what's happened in the last couple of years with COVID is that people are starting to catch on. Like, wait a minute. Like, we could be like in the last days, Right? Like we could, this is like, this is strange stuff that's happening. Like stuff that we never thought would happen are happening. So what, what is, what is going on? Like how, and, 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 and what's the, what, what have I seen more and more? Like there is an increased desire for you and I to be real with one another an increased desire to gather together. And I'm praying that that wasn't just kind of a blip on the radar, but that the Lord would help us keep our eyes on the fact that the day is approaching and that we would be intentional to care for one another, to, to seek to encourage one another more and more. I was, uh, I was meeting with someone this last week. I, I used to be his pastor back at another church. And um, he was just reminiscing about the days of old. And, and he said, you know, um, when I was young, like I had people in my life that were continually asking me, like, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing in the Lord? Are you, are you growing? Are, are, you, are, are you struggling in any area? And, and, and he said it was great. But he said, now, nobody cares. And he's like, is that just like a youth thing versus an adult thing? Or like, what is the deal? And I was like, I think that's an obedience to the Bible thing versus a disobedience to the Bible thing. Like, like for sure, we love our young people. We love our young adults. And, and we want to see them go, growing. We want to see them, them walking in faithfulness to the Lord. And we, we see the dangers that are out there. And we do not want them to go that way. But guess what? You and I still struggle, adults. Right? We, we, still, we still fall. We still, we're not in heaven. Right? Like, 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 we need to be open with one another. We need to be vulnerable like Pastor Michael was teaching last night. If we're not, then what? We stagnate in our faith. If, we, if no one's keeping me accountable, if nobody's asking me, if nobody's exhorting me, encouraging me, my faith stagnates. That's just the way it is. And so we need to be involved in one another's lives if we are to grow. We need to be fully reliant on the body of Christ. Last thing, we also need, if we're going to grow, we need to be fully reliant to serve. If it's not, I cannot do it on my own thing. Um, it is a, I, I, I need everybody around me to serve thing. So we live in a culture, do you guys know this? That, that is increasingly becoming more and more about the individual. You guys notice that? 
Does everybody notice that? Again, we talked about the whole philosophy of life, like I am the authority uh, yesterday. But just think about some of the implications that have happened in the last, I mean, even the last few years. There's way more people now working from home than ever before, right? And in some ways, that's amazing. But we don't have the social interaction that we used to. Social interaction now is like on my phone. I'm doing it by myself, right? I'm not actually with people. And, and, and I feel for the new generation because you guys are messed. You don't know. <laughs> like you just, I'm sorry, but you, you, don't, you don't know actually how to have conversations, right? And it's the culture you've grown up in, okay? And I'm, I'm saying this in love, okay? Because <laughs> I want, and I would just, you know, maybe your next gathering would be like, hey guys, let's just not have our phones with us and, and like talk. It'd be like a weird thing, but let's try it. Like what we would normally text, let's say to one another, okay? And just see what happens, okay? And, 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 but, but that's, but, but, but I'm, I'm bringing it up, I'm saying it in kind of a fun way, but I'm also like, it's a problem. If, if you and I are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can't, that's, that can't be our interactions. Like it just solely on text and, you know, sending insties or whatever you guys do nowadays, Okay. I have no idea. There's, there's like 17. You're like, Insta, like that was like 20 years ago. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, anyway, but, but we, must, we must fight against this, this, this pattern of this world to be individuals. And, of course, we've seen what happened this last couple of years. Like, you know what? Church online, just as good as showing up with people. Like, it's just as good. I get, I get just as much out of that as I do when I gather with people. That's a problem. Why is that a problem? Because you've probably just been showing up five minutes late and then taking off. Like that, if that was church before, then just watching online probably doesn't seem that different anymore. But that's not the way God intended it. God intends us to do life together. I want us to close by looking at Ephesians chapter 4 because here is what God intends in our gathering. It's not just a sermon. It's not just singing a few songs. There's so much more going on. And as you look at it, it's not about the individual. It's about us. It's about we as we look at these verses. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. It says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with, whom, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's just take three minutes to highlight a few things here. Teaching, shepherding is done with what goal in mind? Is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's why the word is going out. That's why we are gathering together so that the saints might be equipped for the work of ministry. So that the body of Christ would be built up. That we would come to unity of the faith. That we would come to the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. That we would mature it says here, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why we're gathering together. There is a goal in mind. There is a, there's a purpose in mind. At note also, he says this, as we think about the, the purpose, it's both protective and it's, prog uh, it's progressive. Protective, what? As we grow in our knowledge of the word together, as we do this together, we will no longer be tossed like children, to and fro by the waves. What kind of waves? Waves of false doctrine, of human cunning, of deceitful schemes. But notice the pronoun there. That we, not I, that I would not, but we as the body of Christ, it's something that we're doing together. It protects us as, we, as the word goes forth, as we gather together, we're protected. And then it says that we are then to grow in Christ's likeness. 
Again, notice we, that we would grow in Christ-likeness, that every single person would be doing well so that the body may grow and build itself up in love. If I'm on the sidelines, if I'm just watching something, how am I being a part of that? How, how am I seeking to build one another up if I'm not present? It's not possible, right? I get it. Sometimes, you know, you got the COVID for the 14th time. You're at home. That's fine. Watch, watch online or whatever. But if it's a pattern of life, that's a problem. And your sanctification will be drastically impacted. 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us of what? We all have a gift. Every single person in the body of Christ is important. And so, as you gather with other believers, you're seeking, Lord, how have you gifted me? How could I be used so that the body would be built up, so that every piece would be strengthened for your glory, for your honor? Truly, the phrase, I can do it on my own, is far from the truth. God's desire is that we be fully dependent upon him, and fully dependent upon one another. Is that the pattern of your life? It should be. It should be. If it's not, remember the Lord is slow to anger. He's patient with you and I, but he desires us to grow, to become more like him. So let us repent of our independence and be dependent upon him. Let me pray. Lord God, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, for your word, for its instruction. And God, we would be quick to admit, Lord, that we, we are a people who want to do it on our own. We, we don't want to be invulnerable, Lord. We, 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 we don't want to pour into others. Lord, we, a lot of times our, our, our pursuit of you is really selfish. And so, God, we would pray that you would change that. That, God, we would... Wake up each day fully dependent upon you for our growth in you, for our, uh, our desire, Lord, to, to become more and more like Jesus, Lord, that the world might see you. God, I pray as a body of Christ, Lord, that we would, we would walk in obedience, that, Lord, we would see others' interests as more important than our own. That, that God, as, as, we, as we come together, that our heart would be to serve to, to, to love, to, to grow together, Lord, that each part might be built up. God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for the work that you have been doing. There's so many exciting things, Lord, you've been doing. And, and God, we're, we, we know that it's all from you. And so, Lord, you deserve the praise. You deserve the glory. And yet, Lord, we pray, would you help us to see increased faithfulness in each one of us. Lord, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.